Hello, hello. You are listening to the On My Own Terms podcast, and I am the host and creator, Brittany Pope. Today's episode is my first review for the She's Gotta Have It series on Netflix. Um, An episode ago, I just did like an overall episode about my thoughts on the show, but I decided because it's pretty complex and there's so much to talk about that I would do an episode by episode podcast. So I am starting with the first episode. And what I really love about the first episode of She's Gotta Have It is that it really like overall, it gives you a really clear sense into or clear idea rather, of the characters that you're going to be seeing throughout the show. It gives you a very full-bodied sense of who Nola Darling is. And I love that because, I mean, obviously she's the main character of the show and you want to connect with her right away like you would any show. You want to connect with that main character because that's usually who keeps you coming back. And Spike Lee and his team of writers did a great job with doing that. What I love about Nola is how upfront she is about her personality and about how she identifies herself and who she identifies herself as. And I mean, there's just something about her that you instantly fall in love with. It makes you want to watch the show just because, at least for me, There was so much of myself that I saw in Nola's character, and I don't know, it just made me really excited to keep watching the show. So (laughs) the show gets raunchy fast. I remember when I first watched it, I had my TV like really loud. My boyfriend was in another room, and he's just like, what on earth are you watching? (laughs) And if you've seen the first episode, then you probably know a few of the scenes that I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, that aside, what the first episode also does is bring you into the other supporting characters that Nola is involved with. And you have her girlfriends, but you also have her lovers. And that's mostly what I'm going to be focusing on. So you meet Jamie Overstreet. Mars Blackman, and Greer Childs. Now, if you're like me, and this is this is throughout um, my history of watching TV as an adult, like, especially when romance is involved, you, or at least I do, I mean, you, you tend to watch a show and decide who you want for someone based on your personal preference of, like, how you would be into them in real life if you knew them or something. So, first off, like, I love Jamie Overstreet's character, but then you, I don't want to go too far in depth because this is the, this is the review of the first episode, so I don't want it to be a spoiler in any sense, but you kind of get a peek into Jamie Overstreet and who he is and what he has going on, though it isn't divulged right away. Um, So her friends kind of position Jamie as like a sugar daddy of sorts. And, And Nola doesn't necessarily 
go against that definition of him, but she just sees him more as like a person who takes care of her. And you get that sense when you look at him because Jamie is like grown. Like when you think about a grown man, that's what you see when you see his character. Like he has this, obviously he's got a great job. He's in this really nice office. He dresses really well. Everything about him reads like he's got his, you know what, together. And I don't know, you just kind of like, I look at him and I think, okay, that's a guy that I could see myself being attracted to. So off, like right off the bat, you think, okay, he's probably like a good guy for her. You know, Nola seems like she's got a lot going on and he seems to want something stable. And in the beginning, you're not really sure what, or you're not sure of what Nola is looking for, right? Like you don't know enough about her to know if she's looking for something stable or if she is just wanting to have fun. So, you know, first thing I think is like, well, he's good looking. He seems to have his stuff together. So if she's looking for someone who is stable and who is actively pursuing her, then, you know, then Jamie is probably a good guy for that. So next um, is, is Mars Blackman who, like, I <laughs> I have, like, such a soft spot for Mars. At first, like, his character really annoyed me. So I'm trying to think of Mars just as he appears in the first episode. And in the first episode, I was like, God, this dude is corny. Like, I don't like Mars. <laughs> but over the course of the show, like, I just love Mars. And he ends up being, like, my favorite guy of the three. Um... <laughs> he's funny. He's really, really funny. And so again, like I think of if it were me in Nola's shoes, I could see myself being attracted to Mars. But the thing that you like about Mars is his personality. He's like really funny and extroverted and outgoing and just super bold. And I don't know, I feel like Nola needs some of that in her life too. Not that she has like a boring life or anything like that. I think just Mars helps amp everything up and helps take Nola to the next level when she's with him. Something about his personality is just like that. It's just like he is on 10 and I'm here for it. Like I love it. So (laughs) love Mars. And then lastly is Greer Childs. And for me, <laughs> I <laughs> I don't really like Greer. I look at Greer and I, I mean, given, I know that this is, this is just sheerly a character analysis. So I, I look at him and I think he's such a narcissist. And um, I wouldn't be attracted to a guy who was like Greer's character. Um, he's just not my personal type. So I think that's also a bit of why I'm like, uh, Nola should probably like focus elsewhere. But anyways, you know, she's into him. They seem to have, you know, intense sexual chemistry, which, you know, as the episode progresses, you come to realize that that's really important to Nola. Like she has a very healthy sexual appetite and she's made that known. And so you really, for the duration of the rest of the episode, once these um, lovers are introduced, is you get an idea of the kind of sexual chemistry that she has with her suitors, right? And again, you're kind of projecting like, 
who, based on your personal preferences, who you think would be a better fit for NOLA. And it's interesting because, you know, like, you, and it's the first episode, so you don't know much about these guys. You don't know much about what they want or what they're looking for. Um, I would say, you know, first impressions, Jamie is wanting something stable. Um, first impression of Mars is that Mars is just wants to have fun. And then first impression of Greer is that he wants someone who's willing to stroke his ego. And first impression of Nola, as it relates to these three guys, is that they each fulfill a different need for her in a different way. And, you know, I think it's if if I try and take it like on a deep philosophical level, which I'm going to, I think the dynamic that you see presented and she's got to have it is that you have this woman who at first seems really decisive and really clear about what she wants and about what she doesn't want. But then you see her searching for elements of what she would want in a partner and three different people all simultaneously. And they all know that she is not really solely dedicated to them. And in a time where we have such huge double standards with women you know, being sexually liberated or dating multiple people or having multiple partners and not wanting to be tied down, quote unquote. Whereas, it, well, you see that as, as something that's presented in a negative light. Whereas with men, you know, it tends to be like, good for you, bro. Like, what's up? That's awesome. So you, you're confronted with this double standard right off the bat. And you're also confronted with the idea that if Nola was into them enough that they would, in turn, be willing to try to be in a relationship. Like, I feel like for me, that's one of the biggest dichotomies that I notice in this show is that you have three men who, for all intents and purposes, seem like they want to be exclusive with Nola. Uh, and I feel like that's pretty rare. I don't know. I mean, in my personal experience, I can't say that I've ever had like three guys all wanting to be in a relationship with me. So <laughs> I've never had that experience. But it's really interesting to watch on television to see, you know, how how is she going to choose between these three? Who is she going to choose between these three? And or is she looking for something bigger than these three? right? Like, we have this idea when it comes to love and soulmates and partnerships and long-term relationships and all this and that, that the partner that we ultimately choose to be with is a person who can fulfill and satisfy most of our needs across multiple planes. And watching She's Gotta Have It makes you wonder how easy that is. Because, yeah, you know, on the surface, you have three attractive guys who are funny and seem to have really good chemistry with Nola. But at the end of the day, you find yourself wondering, or at least at the end of the first episode, you find yourself wondering if any one of them was that great, then wouldn't she be focusing more of her energy towards one? But it's hard to say because she also tackles like a lot of taboo things. Like, for instance, in the first episode, her birthday 
um, comes up. So she spends her birthday evening with Jamie and, you know, they do the do and they're in her, (laughs) they're in her apartment and he bought her gifts and cake and all this and that. And so she's in bed with Jamie and they're talking and then she gets a call and it's from Mars and she takes it right? Like, I don't know if I'm the only person who's watching that and thinking, oh my God, I'm so surprised that she would take that call because you would think that she'd be trying to hide that side of her self or that side of her life because she would be worried about what Jamie would think. But no, she takes the call and she is kind of flirtatious on the phone with Mars. And Mars is not being like, hey, I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. You know, Mars is like going all in and saying all kinds of stuff on the phone with her. And she takes the call. She's probably on it for like a couple of minutes and then hangs up. And then Mars calls right back and she answers again. And I'm just like, oh my God, Nola, like, what are you doing? Because to me, that seems, or it feels like such a foreign concept or foreign thing to do that you're that confident and that comfortable with, hey, if you don't like my situation and what I've got going on, then don't be with me, you know? And you hear her tell Mars later in the episode, like, don't go catching feelings. And she tells Jamie, like, I'm going to do what I want to do, you know? And it's, it's interesting because you really get this sense of Nola as being someone who's not going to sugarcoat where she is and what she wants just because somebody else needs to hear something to make them feel better about their position in her life. I feel like if there was a blanket statement that she would give them, it's like, well, (laughs) I'm here with you. So you can take that for what it is, or you can be worried about who else I have in my life. But in this moment, in the present moment, I'm here with you. You're here with me. And we should just enjoy it for what it is instead of trying to make it into something that it hasn't blossomed into yet. So I just found that just really intriguing. You know, I think that's one of the other things that I found myself like kind of dumbfounded is is that you really don't see that type of a female character often. And that's across all kinds of TV shows, not just Netflix, just in general. You really don't see women like that. I think the only other character that I can think of that was just as liberating, just off the top of my head, doesn't mean that there aren't more, but it would be Samantha Jones from Sex and the City. Because, you know, if there is one woman in television history who owned her sexuality and who owned every ounce of her femininity and her power and her divine goddessness, it was Samantha Jones, okay? <laughs> and, you know, I think that's kind of why you love Samantha Jones, is, is, and that's the same reason why you find yourself kind of inexplicably drawn to and loving Nola Darling, is because though she, you find out that she is confused and that she's not as clear as she tries to make it seem, there's still this element of truth and rawness and audacity in her that I think speaks to all of us in different ways. 
And let's see. So, okay. I've talked about the beginning of the show. I've talked about the introduction of her three lovers. You also meet her girlfriends uh, over brunch, um, celebrating her birthday. Um, That's pretty placid, I'd say. You meet Clorinda. Uh, You hear the most about their back or about her backstory. And then she and Nola's backstory together as friends. They used to be roommates, had a falling out, but it's all good. Um, Then you see her, I guess you see them hanging out. And this is when the show starts to really get interesting because as Nola is walking home from Clorinda's apartment, there is a guy who is catcalling her on the street. It's dark. She's alone. And He's hollering at her, basically, trying to get her attention. And at first, she's like a smart aleck to him. And then, but she keeps walking. Like, she's not entertaining it, obviously. And then the guy comes up to her and grabs her by her wrist. Like, hey, I'm talking to you. And she immediately goes into freakout mode, rightfully so, because of the way that he grabbed her. You know, of course, she's alone. Like, anything could happen in that sense. So she is fighting him, basically. Like, she starts punching him and slapping him and then runs home. And you're like, holy shit. Like, what just happened? You know, fortunately, I haven't ever been physically grabbed by a man. So, you know, I'm sure women who have watched this show and saw that part, like, I'm sure they really felt that moment. And it, it, it spoke to something that they've experienced in their life. You know, I'm, I'm grateful that that hasn't happened to me, but I'm watching this and, and I'm totally empathizing with the fact that like, what the hell just happened? Like, what is this person doing? Why does this person feel like just because he's interested in her, that that gives him a right to put his hands on her? And then, you know, I mean, yeah, that's like the end part of it, but he's also, you know, Hey, yo, ma, da, 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 like calling her all these names. And then he calls her a black B word. And, you know, you just, you're sitting there and you're watching it. And you, if you have been on the receiving end, which I, I've been on the receiving end of like guys calling me names and stuff and then not being very kind when you turn down their advances. And you're just like, ugh, why do guys have to be like that? Like, why? I I don't know. That is a whole nother story. So I don't want to take the focus too much off of this episode by revisiting like personal opinions and personal anecdotes about stuff like that. But you see that as a woman and you think, yeah, I've been there and it sucks. And so this happens to her. And the next day, well, she's really distraught and upset that evening but then the next day you see her and she kind of like has this different energy about her she is super invigorated and the next thing you know she's like creating like crazy and she starts putting together these I guess like a street art pieces and it's it's basically like my name is not sweetheart my name is not ayo ma my name is not sweetie or whatever and you see how this event immediately impacts her, not only as a person, but as an artist. Because 
throughout the first half of the episode, you see her creating, but it's more or less like not necessarily for fun because then that's kind of diminishing the fact that she is a serious artist, but her work tends to feel a little bit lighter in the beginning. Whereas once this happens, you see her work become injected with some different type of meaning, something that is really trying to make a statement and really out to to bring attention to what women experience as women on the receiving end of, of being hit on. Oh yeah, and that's another thing that happens in the very beginning of the episode that I, it literally, it happens right after the intro. And it, it goes down, I think it shows maybe like eight or nine people like hollering or hitting on, um, hitting on Nola. And I mean, it's all kind of outlandish stuff, but I mean, it's kind of true. Like, most women have probably heard some of what she heard in that opening segment. And it's just watching it makes you cringe because the, the idea that anybody feels that they can talk to someone that way simply because they find them attractive is just mind boggling, totally mind boggling. But again, that's one of the things that I feel like I love about she's got to have it right out of the gate is that It tackles real life issues and it's done so in a way that while it might seem humorous, it is done, it is presented in a way that sticks with you because you're able to make the connection from the show to your personal life or to the life of someone you know. And I think that's what makes it special. I really love that this show is shamelessly tackling issues head on. And I I think it's important to see these issues brought up in this way because it makes it more palatable. I think when it comes to news and stuff, we've all kind of become desensitized to it because it's constantly inundated with bad stuff, right? But if you can if you can make the issues matter uh, and, and bring them up in a way that it, it kind of is, it's married with entertainment, but it's not done so in a way to make light of the issue at hand, but it's done so in a way to make you see it in a real life situation while watching a show that you like. Like another show that does a really great job of doing this is Blackish. Blackish to me is one of the most underrated shows on TV. I mean, I know it's not like really underrated because it's been on for a couple of years and lots of people talk about it and lots of people love it, but I love that about Blackish because it's not I think at first, people hear the name and think it's just about black issues, and it isn't. It's about all kinds of issues. Yes, there are episodes that focus on things that happen to black people, but it also tackles things that women go through, that children go through. Like, it, I just love when shows have a finger on the pulse and don't want to gloss over what's happening in real life. I think it's really important to use the platform of entertainment television as a medium to talk about issues in a non-preachy way, but still 
acknowledging that they exist relative to something that you're watching to try and escape from them. Like, yes, we want you to have some comedic relief or we want you to be able to check out of what's really happening. But at the end of the day, like you're going to return to it once the show is over. So let's bring it up in a meaningful way, in a way that is broken down for people to understand and in a way that people can still find viable solutions or alternatives to helping an issue get resolved or educating them. That's another thing that I think television and entertainment and movies gets to do is it gets to educate people. And so I love when shows like She's Gotta Have It or Blackish or Sex in the City or other amazing television shows tackle things in a way that educates the viewer while also broadening the perspective of the viewer. For instance, with Sex in the City, when it was on and at its prime, I was too young to appreciate that show. Same thing with Seinfeld. I want to bring Seinfeld into this as well. Um, and I started watching these shows as an adult. And oh my God, like it is these shows, yes, they're entertainment. Yes, they're fiction. But they've had a profound impact on the way that I view the world. And some people might think that that's crazy or ridiculous or sad. But I think it's really awesome that you have amazing creators and content creators and writers and, and visionaries and directors who are able to marry life, like real life situations with entertainment. I think it's, it's, a, it's a skill. And I love that She's Gotta Have It has been repurposed to dealing with issues that are currently facing young Black people and young artists across ethnicities and across races. I think it's done a fantastic job of tackling sexuality and and bringing into focus this idea of what it means to to be sexually liberated. So I feel like when you are finishing up episode one, you leave the episode thinking, what this show is here to teach me in this moment is that you get to define yourself. And you don't have to define yourself in a way that other people might deem as socially acceptable or socially respectable. That's what I love about Nola is that she's like, this is my life. This is, is potentially my one life to live. And I'm going to live it in a way that resonates and feels good. And I'm owning it. I'm standing in my power. I'm living my life like it's golden. Oh, quick thing. <laughs> I'm going to make a quick segue right there. The other thing that I love, 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 love about She's Gotta Have It is that music is heavily infused into every scene of the show. And it tells you who the artist is. And it's awesome. <laughs> when you love music and you see music as, as the perfect accompaniment to life situations, that's another thing that this show did really, really well or does really, really well. So anyways, I feel like this is a good stopping point. I don't want to go too far and spoil anything. So yes, this is my take and talk on the first episode of She's Gotta Have It on Netflix. 
and great news came out a couple days ago that She's Gotta Have It was renewed for a second season, which is super, super awesome. And I'm super, super excited. But anyways, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you have any thoughts or feelings you'd like to share, or if you just want to see what I'm up to, you can visit me online at my blog at brittanypope.com. I will see you guys in my next episode. Talk to you later. Bye.